Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Morning. Wow, that was weak. There we go. There we go. How's everybody doing? All right, one person doing good. All right, this is this is going to go great. I can, I can tell. Well, if my wife and I can jump through all the necessary hoops, and in time. Then by the 27th, by the night of the 27th, 10 p.m., eight hours ahead of you, we will land in Uganda, Africa. And as we leave at this point in time, we have no intentions of coming back. People ask when they hear that we're going, they, they think of these things in terms of a missions trip. And um, they think we're going just for a few weeks and then we'll... I don't know, install some toilets or put up some solar panels and then come back. And that's not, that's not what we're doing. Lord willing, as when, we, when we land in Uganda, if all continues to go well, we will officially be African Americans. And we don't intend to come back. So in light of that, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13... This just seemed to be a fitting uh, message or idea. I just started looking at it last night, just wondering what would come of looking at just a certain word in the Bible. And when I saw all that came, came from it, it seemed fitting because if we make this flight on the 26th, which I, I, I hope that we do. It's, it's going to be, it's very complicated. It's very difficult. There are a lot of hoops to jump through. There's far too many possibility for things to go wrong. And I'm optimistic the Lord will help us to do it. And we're going to keep pushing hard until it's done. But there, there's a lot that could go wrong. Um, if, it, if it goes through and all goes well, then this will be the last sermon I preach in the United States of America for a long time. And it's a blessing to do it here because I grew up around this area. Some of my family is here. Uh, my great-grandmother went to this church her entire life. Uh, you people, in the time that we were here, have been unbelievably good to us. You, you took us in. You've loved us. You've given to us. You've, you've been incredibly, you've, you've just been unbelievably hospitable to us. But as we leave and go to Uganda, we, we have some goals and we have some aims and, and we have a mission when we get there. And that doesn't change your responsibility here. You still have work to do here. And whether Hitler is your president or whether Mother Teresa is your president, you still have 
biblical responsibility to serve Jesus Christ and to stand up for the word of God here. And so 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. I won't read the next verse because I'm not going to greet you with a holy kiss. But verse 11 really sets the mentality and, and and the framework for parting. And departure is a natural aspect of life on this side, this side of eternity. We're always telling people we love goodbye. We have to let people go. We have to send them across the world. We have to move. We have to, I mean, so many different scenarios pop up in life that cause us to have to tell people we love goodbye. Sometimes for long periods of time. And Americans have this mindset that, well, we don't leave America. <laughs> so the question we often get is, when are you coming back? <laughs> and my question and response is, when are you coming to Uganda? <laughs> and they just look at me like, oh, I, I guess that is an option, isn't it? <laughs> it is. That will be our home when we get there. We don't intend to come back. If we do come back for a visit, it won't be for a long time. My estimation is probably 10 years. Now, you're welcome to come and visit anytime. But don't be mad at me when I'm not here, so I'll be equally mad at you when you're not there. <laughs> Those flights go both ways, and you can have your nose worn out just like ours is going to be worn out from all the COVID testing and jumping through all the hoops and just get a small taste of what, we've had, what we have to go through. But... The Bible gives some final instruction. As the Apostle Paul tells his church farewell, he tells them goodbye. He gives them some, some, some final instructions. And the first thing he tells them is be perfect. So what I'm going to tell you and remind you is the expectation is that you're going to be perfect. You heard in the Sunday school hour about Daniel, who was of an excellent spirit who was so good at what he did and so faithful to what he was supposed to do and so dedicated to his God that even the heathen that, that wanted to, to change him couldn't do it. They finally just elevated him and made him president. <laughs> but you're expected to be perfect. And we, we have this idea, again, in American Christianity that we can't, we can't be perfect. We, we equate perfection with being sinless. But the two are not the same thing. The Bible says of Jesus Christ that he was made perfect, which meant that he he lacked in some way less than perfection. But he wasn't made sinless. He was already sinless. Perfection has nothing to do with your your sinful nature. You're going to battle that until the Lord comes back and takes this body of flesh away. But that that does not give you an excuse to be less than perfect. The Lord gave us direct instruction, be ye perfect, even as I am perfect. The Bible says that Job was perfect. He wasn't sinless. You're supposed to be perfect. And so the Bible gave you preachers, and it gave you apostles, and it gave you evangelists, and it gave you all these men in positions of leadership, according to Ephesians 4, to bring the saints unto perfection. The way you're going to become perfect is through obedience to this book, adherence to this book. Now, we just left a dispensation in America where that was easy. We had a president that was favorable to Christianity. He wanted to give you more and more freedom to be what you want to be, and nobody cared. We enjoyed the high stocks. We enjoyed the booming economy. We enjoyed the low gas prices and did relatively nothing for Jesus Christ. So now you're going to have to exercise this under a group of people who hate you and who want to take your freedom, and they're going to. But your responsibility to this book remains the same. It doesn't change. So when they come cracking the whip and they tell you you can't stand in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to remember what Peter said when they told him the same thing. We ought to obey God rather than man. Now, that doesn't mean, again, like you heard in the Sunday school hour, it doesn't mean you go fighting unnecessary battles. You can be a Christian and not be a jerk. (laughs) The the two are not one and the same. (laughs) 
But you can kindly tell them, you can take your rules and nicely shove it. I'll work on that. We'll come back to that. Next, he says, be of good comfort. Do you know Jesus Christ? He's the God of all comfort. As a Christian, you have no excuse in your life to to arrive at a place emotionally where you have no comfort. Things are about to be very complicated. Things are about to be very difficult. As though 2021 wasn't hard enough, our country was just wholeheartedly given over to a group of people who hate God and hate his word. This is not going to go well. It's not going to end well. Now, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in, in, in four years, I don't believe. Four years is, is going to make things complicated. But your country, the majority of your country, a massive majority of your country, wanted this. They elected these people. They asked that these people come and reign over them. And now we get to go along for the ride. Your comfort during these times of difficulty is going to be based upon your attachment and your relationship with the God of all comfort. If you find yourself consistently in a place where you're emotionally torn, you're out of control, you have no stability, do you not know God? Do you not have His word? Do you not have His promises? What is your foundation? And God instructed you, be of good comfort. That's not a suggestion. (laughs) He's not asking you. He's not saying, I'm going to do it for you. He's telling you and he's telling me, be of good comfort. Do it. And the reason you're given this instruction as Christians is because it's 100% available to you. This is not outside the realm of possibility for people who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them who can go before the throne of grace and cry out to God and have the word of God in their hands. Not to mention fellowship with godly people. If you don't go to church, what expectation of encouragement in the word of Lord do you have in life? Do you do it in your living room or is the television on? Do you encourage one another in the Lord at home and spend time in the word of God at home or is it politics and arguments and finances and everything else but God. Be of good comfort. Not without God you're not. And not without the word of God you're not. Then he says, be of one mind. This is written to a church, a local assembly. This is also true of the body of Christ at large. Be of one mind. That doesn't mean your opinion. That doesn't mean another person's opinion. That doesn't mean, and, and I'm, I'm really, I, I really have no intention to, con, to, to continuously batter the political aspect of this, but I am greatly frustrated at the dependence of Christians on politics. They act like there is no God in heaven. Like Biden is in charge now, our lives are over. That's not true. Do you know the type of government the apostles had over them? They beheaded them. Now, we're headed for difficulty. We're headed for frustration. It's going in that direction. So it'd be good to prepare your mind now so that as a church, you're like-minded. In Philippians 2, the Lord said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, how are you going to do that? You're just going to dream that up? Imagine that up? You've got to get in this book. Honestly, and this is, don't answer out loud. This is for you and this is, this is for me. When was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you sat at home alone and read your Bible? And spent time with the Word of God? If you don't do that on a regular basis, on a daily basis... You're not going to be like-minded, first of all. You're going to come in here talking about politics. You're going to come in here talking about everything else in the world that has nothing to do with this book that will produce unity and a like-minded group of people who can depend upon each other through very difficult times that are coming down the road. If you're not like-minded, then you're going to be of a single mind on your own and contrary to the Word of God. You need this book. 
You need your mind to be given over to this book. And that's the other thing that, that again, the Lord is telling you and he's telling me, be like-minded. That's a command. And who is causing that command to take place in our, in our own individual lives? You are. It's a decision you've got to make. You have to take your mindset and the way that you think and, and decide with a purpose. I'm going to get my face in this book and where, my, where, where I think contrary to this book and live contrary to this book, I'm going to throw that stuff out and become obedient to the word of God. And if you're not actively doing that, you're going to be consumed by what's coming. You have no chance. You have no hope. Live in peace. Live in peace. How do you do that in labor camps? Paul did. His back laid wide open, sitting in a prison cell, and he's singing praises to Jesus Christ. Is that what you're going to do when they come for you? Now, I don't, I don't mean to sound overly apocalyptic. I, I don't think any of this is coming in the next five to ten years. But it's coming. The, 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 we're moving in that direction. This is the process. This is where we're going. The, the people that hate you have been able to destroy your lives on the Internet. Now they have people in charge that will allow them to come knock on your front door. And that's the next step. And when they come, what are you going to do? Pick up an AR? You're going to fight them all? You're going to join the militia? You're going to join a group of drunkards who are fighting for the Constitution? <laughs> That's not our battle. You're supposed to be preaching the gospel. You're supposed to be telling people about Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be an example of someone in the midst of turmoil living in peace. Jesus Christ said, peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. There's a big difference between the two. You can go to any bookstore and find a massive self-help. You don't even have to go to the bookstore now. Just look it up online. Thousands upon thousands of websites will pop up, and they're all happy to help you implement their version of peace. And as long as you continue to pay the $29.99 or whatever it is they expect of you, and then you find out in the end it didn't bring you any closer to peace, You'll still be left with Jesus Christ. That's all that's available if you want peace, if you want comfort, if you want direction, if you want to be like-minded. It's all through the Word of God, and it's all through Jesus Christ. Outside of that, you have nothing. You'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and this world has a lot of it available for you. And they're going to push you and carouse you and try to force you into, into conformity with what they believe at the moment. <laughs> And then a few years down the road, those beliefs will change, and you better be willing to keep up. And the moment you're not, they'll come knocking on your door and find out why. Jesus Christ said you can be locked in a prison cell in the worst of conditions in complete peace. Your external, all these external factors should not weigh so heavily on whether you have peace or not. Something happens in America now, and Americans lose their minds immediately. They have no attachment to the Prince of Peace. They don't know him. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven, but I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send someone to you who's going to move inside of you, if you trust in me, and who's going to live inside of you, and he will provide you the comfort you need. And it will lead you into all truth. And I left you a book behind that, 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 that will instruct you in all things pertaining to life and godliness. What will you do without it? How has your life been thus far without it? To the extent that you include it or, or exclude it. You need Jesus Christ and you need each other now more than you ever will. It'd be good to go ahead and exercise those things now and prepare for those things now. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. 
And this line of thought continues. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against AR-15s and bombs and governments. That's not our fight. I would like to have Donald Trump as my president. I would like the benefits that come from having Donald Trump as my president. Guess who's not my president? So the idea is not to join the militia and stock up an armory as though you're going to fight off the army that's coming. You should protect your home. You should protect your family. You should be ready to do that. But fighting the government, our involvement in politics, our attachment to politics, I hope this past year, at least, has shown you there is no hope there. There is nothing there that is going to help you or me or anybody else. The only help that anybody's going to have that is of any significance is through Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Outside of that, it's a vain exercise. It's empty. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith all, wherewith ye shall, excuse me, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do Tychicus, A beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you. So Paul's leaving. And he's telling these people, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray that utterance will be given to me. Utterance that is directly related to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, not politics, not conservatism, not the Constitution, none of that. Am I going to convert people to libertarianism? (laughs) No, I want their souls to be saved. I want them to learn to depend on the word of God. If they never become a free American, whatever that is, as I haven't seen one in a long time, they can become free in Jesus Christ. And now my wife and I are leaving. We're going to Africa. I'm taking my newborn child and moving across the world in one of the most tumultuous times that that has existed maybe in my lifetime. And it's not even that it's it's not violent. It's not there's no there are no real uprisings, there are no wars. The ideologies of this world have just been altered and boosted against God in a major way. And I'm leaving what is supposed to be the comfort of being an American. I'm not all that comfortable here anymore. And haven't been for a long time. And I would like to be patriotic. I would. I would like to have this patriotic attachment to the Constitution and our country and our flag and all these wonderful things. It sounds great. But as long as transgender people are reading books to your children in libraries and homosexuals are getting married and running naked through the streets 
and children are being aborted by the millions, what is there to be patriotic about? Have you seen television and social media and everything else that, that, that our country spends billions of dollars on? It's not church. How many people live in this county and could be here today? Where are they? They're not here. How many people claim to be a part of this church and they're not here today? Does this not matter? Was there something more important than the Savior who shed his blood for me and for you? Is your patriotism more important than that? Is your skin color more important than that? What exactly is more important than the blood of Jesus Christ? And what message is more important to spread than the blood of Jesus Christ? And so we're going to go to Africa. Not to give them toilets, not to build houses. I could care less if one minute of their life becomes easier. That is not the goal. That is not the aim. The comfortable lives that we have in America, that is fleeting. My aim is to win souls to Christ, plant Bible-believing churches, and teach them to do the same without me. We need to be able to leave Uganda at some point in some time and leave behind a group of of fundamental Bible-believing people who are not ready to go form militias and fight governments, but who are ready to fight the principalities and the powers of, this air, of the air because they have, they have taken on to themselves the whole armor of God and they're ready to serve Jesus Christ. How long do we get to stay in Uganda if that doesn't exist here? We are leaving based on the promises of churches who said they're going to support us. And so far they have. Will they continue? Not if they're not like-minded. Not if they're not comforted by the Lord Jesus Christ. When the regulations start pouring down and the, and the police start knocking on their doors. When it becomes criminal to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, what will you do? When you can't read Romans 1 aloud because it says something about the LGBTQ community, what will you do? You're going to cut it out? Just pretend that chapter doesn't exist? So, our focus is in America, as Americans, is all wrong. We got way off track because we had a man in the White House that we all thought was going to be our salvation. That's misguided. That's wrong. And now he's gone. And he'll probably never have another peaceful day as long as he lives. He was right when he said the people that hate us hate him. And he stirred up a massive hornet's nest. And to some extent, a small extent, he did it on our behalf. And we did nothing for Jesus Christ. That is a shameful state of affairs. And needs to be corrected immediately. But that has to be corrected in your life. And in my life, before it will be corrected in this church, and then the next church, and then the country as a whole. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Some of you are looking at me like, so, could you leave sooner? (laughs) Can we help you get on that flight? Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And that really is the key. Why is he so harsh? Why is he so mean? It is safe for you to hear these things. It is good for you to hear these things. It is is beneficial to be challenged in this way. Where else do you hear anything like what's being read to you and preached to you than, than when you come here. <laughs> so, verse 2, beware of dogs. In case, you have, in case you didn't know that. Beware of evil workers. 
Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Is that true in your heart and in your mind? We're trying to jump all, through, through all the hoops to get on these flights. And all I can find myself doing is asking God to please, please help us. Something as simple as going to the airport and getting on an airplane has been made unbelievably complicated. Now, I can, I can call Delta and I can call Amsterdam and I can call representatives and I can complain and I can whine and I can take my petition to men. But what are they going to do? <laughs> are they going to overturn it for me? Are they going to help me? There is, you should have no confidence in the flesh whatsoever, at all, in your own. If, if, if your attachment to Jesus Christ, if your, if your strength and foundation in the Word of God was, was based on you and your ability, how many of you were late to work last week? You, you just, there, there's, you'd have no chance if it was, if it was dependent upon you. And then I could sit with most of you, I'm sure, and we could talk about all the other people who are so unreliable in this world. And all we would be talking about is the reality of the flesh. People are not dependable. We can't depend on ourselves half the time or in a good measure of time. Your confidence is supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Your confidence is supposed to be in the word of God. Without it, you have nothing to be confident in. We were confident we had everything in place to make these flights. Just last, a couple nights ago, we get an email that completely altered that. Confidence out the window. And we didn't even do anything wrong in that one. <laughs> That's just how it is. That's the world we live in. The only stability you have is in this book. But this is the least, this is the place where we spend the least amount of time, is in this book. I, I wish this, this spinning, chaotic world would just calm down. You could just step away from it and get in this book. And, and find an, an, an immutable God, a never-changing God, Jesus Christ, who's the same today and forever, and the Word of God, which is sealed in heaven and not going to be altered, and it's going to outlast the chaotic world around us. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'll read it in a couple days. Okay. It's not going to help your sanity very much if you keep going to the news. And it's not going to help your sanity very much if you keep talking to each other about what you heard and what they heard and what, and, and what might be coming and what might not be coming. And You're going to lose your minds. And you're going to be tossed into a whirlwind that you can't get out of. But you can be standing on solid ground if you'll get in this book. Somebody come up, comes up to you and says, you hear what Fox News says? They know, but I heard what Jesus said. <laughs> can you believe Democrats are doing this? Yes, I can. But let me tell you what Jesus did. Why is the conversation, well, CNN said this. Yeah, well, Fox News said that. Who cares what any of them said? They can't make their minds up who they are, what they want to be. They change on a dime. They could care less about you. And through this entire process, they have destroyed people's lives knowingly. But you're just expendable. You needed to be sacrificed so they could usher in their vision of what they thought would be good for our country. And if you're a conservative or a Republican, they'll do the same thing to you. I have often said that that conservatives use Christians the way Democrats use black people. <laughs> they buy your vote, and then when they get in, they kick you to the curb. They could care less about you. You need Jesus Christ, who loved you enough to shed his own blood for you. Look at Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, 
Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are, are, uh, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. That would cut out anything on your television. That would cut out 90% of the conversation you have at work. The Lord says there, there are some lovely things in this world. There is some purity in this world. There is some virtue in this world. There is some justice in this world. Think on these things. Set your minds on these things. Now, it's a battle. Because you can't, you can't drive down the street without everything on the street vying for your attention. You can't pump gas without a stupid gas pump blasting a television at you. People's minds are so out of control, they can't have silence. I gotta have something plain. I gotta have something to watch. I've gotta, I've gotta have something to entertain this mind, or I will shatter and fall apart. The Lord said, think on these things. Get those things out of your heart and out of your mind and think on this. And then some people are so pessimistic, they can't think of anything lovely. And they can't think of anything pure. And they can't think of anything just. And those things are hard to find at this point in this world. But do you not know Jesus Christ? Is he not altogether lovely? Is he not just? Is he not true? Is he not good? Is he not of a good report? Do you not have the word of God? Could it not replace some of this, some of this chaos in this world? The Bible says think on these things. Look at verse, verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, the Apostle Paul is who was used to pin this down. You can read numerous details of his life and how he lived and what he did in this book. And then you can go do it. Now, I understand that's not, that's not as deep as you would like. <laughs> and I know that everybody's looking for this, this Eastern mysticism and all this self-help garbage and something that's going to be that one trick that's going to flip everything in my life and make me happy and make everything good. It's not coming. It doesn't exist. But people will keep selling it to you if you'll keep buying it. But I can guarantee you, if you'll apply this to your life, it'll alter everything. It'll change everything. But you've got to do it. You have to do it. It'll not be done for you. Your pastor can't make you. Your mom and dad can't make you. Your friends, your brothers, your sisters can't make you. God himself will not make you. It's completely up to you. It's your decision. So what will you do? How will you handle it? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And if I can find 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. I'm still not in the right place. All right, uh, and I'm still not in the right place. Is this boy will have Second Thessalonians? There we go. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Wouldn't that be a good state of affairs to live in? Now, unreasonable and wicked men govern you. That's just how it is. I hate to break it to you, but when Donald Trump was president, unreasonable and wicked men governed you. <laughs> you couldn't leave your wife alone with Donald Trump for five minutes. When he wasn't paying off porn stars and doing some of the other things that he did with his life, he, he was making some pretty good policy. <laughs> 
but unreasonable and wicked men are not going to help you. Sean Hannity is an unreasonable and wicked man. (laughs) I hate to tell you that. Rush Limbaugh is an unreasonable and wicked man. These are unreasonable and wicked people. At times, you are an unreasonable and wicked person. (laughs) Now, you can be like me one day and you'll get there. Just keep working on it. Do you pray that the word of God will have free course? Have you seen what 2020, what 2020 did to the word of God? Missionaries had to come home and many of them still don't know when they're going to get to go. They're just home. I'm talking about worldwide, not just America. The coronavirus didn't just affect America. It shut the entire world down. Like six countries didn't shut down, but they were at least heavily restricted. The word of God lost its free course not only in America, but across the world this past year. Do you pray that the Word of God will have free course? Does that matter to you? Have you you lost focus on the reality that the Word of God is what this world needs? It's not as prominent as it used to be. Mike Pence gave Papua New Guinea, he was a part of a group that gave Papua New Guinea a King James Bible sealed in a case. They gave it to the Parliament of Papua New Guinea as a gift. And Papua New Guinea invited BIMI, the mission board we're with, to their country as a result of that to give every single child in the entire country a free Bible. How would that look if that happened here? (laughs) They'd be burning down buildings again in the streets. It's not going to happen. Nobody cares about this book. Nobody cares what God says. You have to help them care. You have to preach it to them. You have to show it to them. You have to demonstrate it through your life. It can't just be a book next to the TV guide on the, on the table. It has to be something special, and something real in your life. And if it's not, it's because you don't understand its importance. If it doesn't direct your steps and it doesn't light your path, I can guarantee you you're stepping in the wrong direction and you're on the wrong path. We need this book. My wife and I, as we take off to Uganda, this is the center, this is the focus of everything we're going to do. Every prescription for what we're going to do to help the Ugandan people comes from this book. Without it, I have absolutely nothing and I'm just a humanitarian aid guy doing what I can to help hungry people in Africa. Those people that you see on TV and flip the channel when the commercial comes on. That's not what we're going to do. That's not what we are. What we do and how we help people and how we affect people determines their life in eternity. We're just so shallow and focused on, we're so short-sighted. We're focused on here and now. But this book will help you here and now. You just, you've got to apply yourself to it. It needs free course in your life. It needs free course in this world. It needs to be glorified. Do you, do you glorify politics more than the word of God? Do you glorify a sports team more than the word of God? Do you glorify some particular hobby more than the word of God? Romans 1 said the way you end up with a reprobate mind, which would be a good definition for the status of your country, is that you refuse to glorify God as God and you refuse to be thankful. And then they became vain in their imaginations. I would say imaginations are pretty vain today. You don't know if you're a male or a female. You've got some problems. You have reached a a depth of confusion that is going to be very difficult to get your country out of. You don't know what bathroom to use or who to date. These are the most clear aspects of reality available to anybody in this world. But people are willingly ignorant and they have chosen this state of confusion. What they're going to use to help get you there is your television, your radio, the, the, the street signs, 
all that is going to be used, social media, all that's going to be used to help usher you into this wonderful new mindset of tolerance. And by tolerance, what they mean is, you need to think the way I think so that I can tolerate you. And if you don't think the way I think, we have no reason to tolerate you and we're going to get rid of you. The word of God needs free course. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. This entire process to get on an airplane is unreasonable and it's wicked. It's a hindrance to the spread of the gospel, and it's a hindrance to the free course and the glorification of the word of God. But we've got to deal with it. There is a God in heaven. And if he wants us on this flight, and he wants us to go through all this, what comes to my mind, what I often tell people when they're going through difficult things, I just hate when I have to tell myself the same thing. The Lord told the apostles, get in this boat with me, we're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. He didn't tell them Eurocladin was going to come along the way halfway through the, the, the boat ride. He didn't tell them there was going to be a great tempest, a storm, so, so terrible that they thought they were going to die. And he's on the back of the boat asleep. <laughs> do you not care that we perish? And the first thing he said to them when he woke up is, why do you have no faith? Why do you have no faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God, Jesus Christ, said, get in the boat, we're crossing the sea. He didn't say a massive storm was, 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 may or may not come along the way. But he did say, we're going to be on the other side of the sea. You have to trust God. You trust God by, by what he says in this book. I am confident if the Lord wants us there, we will be there. If he doesn't want us there, we won't be there. We'll be back here to preach another farewell message. I know, some of you are cringing. Please, no. First Peter chapter 3, and we'll finish here. You can breathe again. I, I hope you will take these things very seriously. This was not just an opportunity for me to stand in front of you and berate you. That's, that's not what this is. Christians in America have lost their sobriety. They don't think properly in terms of the word of God and how to approach this world with the gospel. They want to build, they want to have schemes and they want to have, we'll have a basketball game. We'll trick people into coming with a pizza party and we'll surprise them with the gospel when they get there. The apostles went into the markets, they went into the streets, they went door to door, and they preached the gospel to people who needed it. No schemes, no food, no dances, no music, no parties, no games, none of this stuff that we spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on to trick people into coming in. My pastor always said, whatever you use to get people into your church is what you'll have to use to keep them in your church. So if you're not in a church that preaches the word of God and the reason you're there is because your, your love for the word of God keeps you there, there won't be enough pizza parties, there won't be enough basketball games and baseball games, and there won't be enough bounce houses and whatever it is that you have to do for adults these days to get them to come to church. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to make a decision. I love God. I appreciate his death on the cross in my place. I think that merits me at least being in church on Sunday. <laughs> First Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. When it comes to your fellowship here amongst these people, I hope you have come to the conclusion this is all you have. When, when, the political, when the political pressure becomes great, which has happened 
Every time communism was instituted in a country around the world, every time, your family is required to turn on you. It's not an option. If they don't turn on you, then they go in the gulags. They go in the prison camps. They get arrested. And then after they turn on you, they come back later and arrest them anyways. That's, that's just, that's what, com- communism bites and devours itself. It consumes itself. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a, a, a writer that is credited with writing a book that brought down the Soviet Union. A book that brought down the Soviet Union. He said that Stalin could never come to the conclusion his enemies had ceased to exist. That is, a, that is, the, that is the framework within the ideology, the religious ideology of Marxism. At some point, everybody becomes an enemy. They might be friends with you now. They might use you now. You say, what does that have to do with anything? As long as we keep moving in the direction we're going, you are all you have. Your own family will turn you in. If it means they get to eat or they don't go to prison just a little bit longer. Some of your family members have already drunk the Kool-Aid. They would turn you in now if it was available to them. So when you're in this room, when you see each other in this town, this county, this state, anywhere, when you see a brother and sister in Christ, don't bite and devour them. Don't tear them apart. I, I, am, I, am, a, I am a radical, fundamental, Bible-believing Christian, which means there are a lot of Christians in this country that drive me up the wall. <laughs> they're liberal, they're weak, they're whiny, it's ridiculous. But if they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm leaving them alone. I'm not going to tear them down because they don't do things the way that I want them to do things. I believe I have taken great pains to try and and, and learn the way that God would have a church to run, a ministry to run, our lives to run, in accord with this book. And I try to make the words of this book my convictions, not my opinions and, and personal thoughts and ideas. And that's where a lot of the fighting comes from. Well, I don't like that kind of music. Well, nobody asked you. What does the Bible say about music? Do you know? (laughs) You've got these strong opinions about different aspects of the Christian life, and you're willing to tear each other apart over them. But if I asked you to sit down with the Bible and show me how you came to that conclusion, you'd say, well, I read so-and-so's book, or I watched a video on YouTube, or something that is completely unrelated to the Word of God. If you're going to be of one mind, it can't come from YouTube. It's got to come from this book. If you're going to care for each other, it's got to be in accord with this book. Not your opinions, not your thoughts, because the day is coming. And I hope you'll take this warning very seriously. And again, this this is not, I'm not telling you to go home and stock up food and build a bomb shelter. None of that is going to help anybody at any time. If you did stock up all the food and the apocalypse came, everybody's coming to your house to take it. (laughs) And you don't have enough ammo to fight everybody off. So just throw all that garbage out. Stop buying the books. Stop watching the YouTube videos. Get rid of all that. Take care of each other. Look out for each other. Stay focused on each other. Lift each other up. Build each other up. Help each other. Stop leaving each other by the wayside. Find out what's going on in each other's lives and find out, don't don't go gossip about it. What can I do to help? How can I change this for you? How can I make it better for you? How can I show you what the Bible says about it? As the day is coming, when the entire world will mobilize completely and wholeheartedly against you, And in many ways, it already has. And a Republican won't help you. A Democrat won't help you. Your cousin won't help you. Your uncle won't help you. Not if they're not faithful to the word of God. The more and more people drink the Kool-Aid, and as you walk around in your city and town, you can see who they are. 
when, when the state of Tennessee lifted the restrictions on the state, which was months ago, nobody wore a mask. Since they've been given the freedom to go back out and live their lives, everybody's wearing a mask. Where'd they get that from? Where'd they learn that from? You see the posters all over the place. Help save lives. Help somebody else. Put a mask on. Do this. Do that. It's, it's all propaganda. And every store that you walk in that displays it, it means they drink the Kool-Aid. They're in on it. They're a part of it. This is not some grand conspiracy. It's a reality. If they're not part of it, they just don't want to be bothered. So we'll put the stupid sign up. If you wear a mask, we'll be happy. If you don't wear a mask, we, we don't care. But we're going to at least participate as far as we can so that nobody comes and is mean to us. Now, if you want to wear a mask, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what we're, we're not talking about. The, wearing the mask is not the problem. The fact that people up here can send out a message and the entire country gets that message because they're all receiving messages from the same place at the same time and it's training them and preparing them and then they all go and do it. But we can't, people who, we can't get people who claim to be Christians to just come to church and hear the message and then go do it. So you're going to need each other now more than ever. I hope you'll take that very seriously. We should have already been taking that seriously. I think our country would look very different if we had. But we didn't. As we heard this morning, we were flippant. We were not Daniel, who was of an excellent spirit and who was faithful and dedicated to his God. We read a little Bible and we dabbled with the television. And we read a little Bible, and, and we watched Ellen. And I know she's gay, but, you know, at least she's, she's so nice to people. And all of it was used to desensitize you and to train you and to help bring you along. And now here we are, 80 million people in your country. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it actually happened or not, honestly, I don't care. But they voted for your current administration. They asked for abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism. They, they asked for every bit of this. They asked for it to come in and for it to govern over them. And that's not even the worst of it. They asked for communists to be in charge of their country. The outlying implications of that are huge. It's a, it's a big, big problem. You better go preach the gospel. You say, what's the answer? What do we do? Do we, do, we, do we take up arms? No. You ain't got enough arms. You don't have enough bullets. You don't have enough people in this room to fight our way out of a wet paper bag if the military was coming. You preach the gospel. And when they say, if you keep preaching the gospel, we're going to put you in jail. You say, I'll preach it in your jail. And they say, if you keep preaching it in jail, we're going to throw you in the, in the, in the uh, you know, whatever, the confinement, or, or we're going to put you under the jail. I'll preach it there. If all I have are rocks to preach to, I'm preaching. And I'm not preaching republicanism or conservatism or constitution or second amendment or any of this other garbage that means absolutely nothing. A lot of people have been preaching that for a long time. And look where we are. Very few people have been preaching that how that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and he rose again the third day. Nobody comparatively speaking, is preaching that. That's your responsibility, and that's my responsibility. We're going to Africa to do that. We did it while we were here. Who was the last person you told about Jesus Christ? Not led to Christ. That's not your responsibility. You're supposed to preach the gospel. They decide what to do with the message. You're the preachers. I'm the preacher. We preach the gospel. We tell people about Jesus Christ. We invite them to church. We try and strengthen them through this book. I don't know what you've been doing in your personal lives, but I can, I can say that wholeheartedly in America, that has not been happening. And I hope starting in this church today, 
that will change in your individual lives if it wasn't already there. And we'll carry on in Africa and do the same thing. But we need you to pray for us. We have a lot of hoops to jump through and a lot going on. And this stress is really weighing on my wife. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.